0: Hey watchers, today's episode takes us to the California coast for a battle to the death against a coven of rock star-looking vampires. Directed by young up-and-coming Joel Schumacher, this film brought the cool factor to the vampire genre. So sharpen those stakes and fill those squirt guns with holy water, cause it's time for 1987's horror comedy, The Lost Boys. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh Beruto, and we review movies that are at least 10 years old. Fair warning, we're big on spoilers here, straight from the get-go. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a Midnight Watch? What is a Midnight Watch? It's a film which completely captures your attention, drawing you in. No matter what time or what part you start watching the movie, you have to finish it. Cry to little sister. (laughs) I've been, that song, I'm not going to lie, I've been playing the soundtrack to this movie at work, like, all day. Dude, seriously. I'm sure my coworkers hate, well, no, it's kind of funny. Okay, so you know the song, I Still Believe? Um, Yeah. Anyways, my boss actually uh Dallas, we were always joking around where it's like um he's fallen behind in his work, but he's gotta finish on time. So I was like, Dallas, this is your theme song. I still believe. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> nice. Was, yeah. This is The Lost Boys, uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, written by Jeffrey Boehm, Janice Fisher, James Jeremiah's. I think that's how you say it, Jeremiah's uh score was by Thomas Newton. And the budget is 8.5 million. The box office was 32.2 million. That's a nice return right there. Oh yeah, they made about three Very times nice. what they put in. I wonder how much they, um, advertised this movie. With it, it, it was, seems like a more of a lower budget movie. I don't know. Not well. No, never mind. 87. So it was a decent budget movie. It wasn't lower, lower, yeah. but it was a decent budget movie. I mean, uh, Schumacher had some some good movies, you know, before this. So I'm sure it wasn't like they were. They must not have felt like they were risking a whole lot by having him do it. So it wasn't like they gave him a tiny budget. That's, right. just, that's all I'm saying. Right. Which I noticed uh, too, like the, at first I didn't like it, but then I got used to it and I ended up liking it. The fact that they never show the vampires flying, they just, it's always from the camera angle and right. reacting to it. I was like, that saves a lot of money and a lot it of does. like dumb effects if they couldn't pull it off. And right. so that actually does kind of make it a little bit better. Um, yeah, that's just, it's just smart filmmaking, like you said, in balancing, balancing the budget. Yes, yeah, absolutely. This uh, movie, it is starring Jason Patrick, Corey Haim, Diane Wiest, Bernard Hughes, Edward Herman, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Corey Feldman, Billy Worth, Brooke McCarter, and introducing the one and only Alex Winter, who I don't think has any lines in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> if he did he's like squithering on the ground dying he's like excellent <laughs> right no i don't he might have one throwaway line oh no, yeah, no. he said most- yeah he said good night michael or something like that when he jumps off right. the bridge he says yeah. sorry sorry alex <laughs> but basically yeah he had to wait for bill and ted before he could we he could right. hear that awesome voice technically i guess he was actually in another movie before this but this is the movie that says introducing alex winter and they had yeah. a they wanted him to shorten it. Like, apparently his name's at Alexander winter. And they were like, you got to shorten your name. Cause it's too long for the prompt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, that's funny. I have a lot to say about this movie and I know you do. Cause you picked out this movie this time. I did, man. I, you I been, was, you've been dropping this one for a long time. You were like, yeah, yeah. about lost boys. And I was like, nah. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was nah. like, I know. And now you're like yeah. third or fourth time around right now you're like finally wore you down you're like i still <laughs> believe <laughs> dude that's the thing like this this soundtrack is pretty awesome like all the way through and there's it even is. there's which i don't know why they didn't include it on the soundtrack but they don't have um walk this way during the the campfire massacre scene from ah. um uh i keep wanting to say acdc aerosmith. not ac aerosmith thank you yeah and uh run dmc and that was—I no, don't think Run DMC was song. on that one. I think that Run wasn't DMC wasn't that version. Was, yeah, I think that was the original version because uh, th- it's uh, qu- I think it's from Toys in the Attic. Okay, uh, but Run either DMC way, they didn't—they didn't include that song on the soundtrack. Like, it's not officially part of it, even though it's in the movie. And there's—I like, think there's two other songs also that weren't included. But that aside, it's a good soundtrack. Though yeah. I do have one one little bone to pick with it. They showcase like a lot of punk rock culture. Mm-hmm. in this movie and you know the vampires themselves looking very rock and roll right uh, you know punk rock you know kind of vibe but there's not one punk song on this album and there was plenty of punk music around that they could have used yeah and i was i was just a little bummed about that i never really put that together beforehand but as i'm watching it this you know for the review i was just like man it's <laughs> it's got such a punk vibe yeah and they didn't they didn't go there but well, I think oh well. for me, the seeing the oiled up all American saxophone beefcake, we know as Tim Capello rocking the hip thrust. Uh, that was, that oh, yeah. was enough for me. That was enough punk rock for me. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and, and I, I was I looked it up cause I was like, is that an actor? Is that the real actual, um, right. musician? It's the real musician. And I do, did, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know this, but, um, he does the, um, saxophone solo on the, the one song, um that uh, gunship does the new song came out like darkest days or something oh like that. i saw that yeah i, I wasn't like, listening to it and I didn't, I didn't get around to it but i saw he played with gunship mall oh, that's a straight up right they totally tagged him because of his 80s you know right. influence and and i was like oh that's sick like that makes that song even cooler because like gunship is legit legit but yeah right i was just like oh man i still believe so um <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see when was the first time that you watched this movie I think it was at work with uh, my old movie club and I'd known about it for a long time. And I, I think I'd seen bits and pieces on TV, but like the, I don't know. And just some of the, some of the kind of iconic scenes from that movie. I think I'd just seen, mm-hmm. you know, in flipping through the channels or something, but nothing, you know, nothing solid until I sat and watched it at work. And it was, it grabbed me. I think I was always intimidated. Cool. Well, when I was younger, I, like we have all, you know, keep discussing, wasn't really, that into horror movies. So I was probably a little intimidated to watch it at the time, but when I finally did, I was pleasantly surprised. That's interesting. I'm trying to remember when I saw it, I think I had to have watched it. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2006, though, when I started watching a bunch of movies from the the library. And I think this was just clustered in in it. And I had watched I was watching a bunch of horror movies. So this movie I thought was supposed to be like this classic vampire film. And uh, when I watched it, I was like, this is weak sauce. Like, there's <laughs> like there's nothing in this movie. Um, and, and so I was bored out of my mind, didn't like it. And that's one reason I kind of was pushing back when you were saying that you didn't want to, you wanted to review it, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, (laughs) rather be folding laundry. But, anyways, uh, when we rewatched it, and I'm glad you did, because now I have a lot to say about this. And uh, I'll just say my opinion has changed. Well, there you have it. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about Godzilla when we did that one but it's fun it's fun to review movies to go back because the first time yeah. you watch a movie you could love it and then you watch it again and you're like actually it wasn't that good or vice versa you know so right i think that's happened to us uh recently i can't remember which one we did but i think that also happened then where we thought we were going to enjoy it as much as we remembered enjoying it right but that's just the uh, growth as a human i yeah i hope so <laughs> or old age right one of the two Are you ready for ready? a synopsis Dude. I am so ready for that synopsis. Thank so you. Pumped. Wikipedia donate family and friends donate to Wikipedia. Right. We should donate if, to Wikipedia. They, <laughs> we should. Cause if they go down, we're screwed. If they go down, no. we're gonna have to hire a writer. Somebody who actually knows what they're doing. This is going to be, I mad. know that's yeah. can't have that. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Michael Emerson and his younger brother, Sam travel with their recently divorced mother, Lucy to the small beach town of Santa Carla, California to live with her eccentric father, who is referred to simply as Grandpa. Michael and Sam begin hanging out at the boardwalk, which is plastered with flyers of missing people, while Lucy gets a job at a video store run by the local bachelor, Max. Michael becomes fascinated by Star, a young woman he spots on the boardwalk, though she seems to be in a relationship with the mysterious David, the leader of a young biker gang. In the local comic book store, Sam meets brothers Edgar and Alan Frog, a pair of self-proclaimed vampire hunters who give him horror comics to teach him about the threat they claim has infiltrated the town. Michael finally talks to Star and is approached by David, who goads him into following them by motorcycle along the beach until they reach a dangerous cliff, which Michael almost goes over. At the gang's hideout, which is a sunken luxury hotel beneath the cliff, David initiates Michael into the group. Star warns Michael not to drink from an offered bottle, telling him it's blood, but Michael ignores her advice. Later on, David and the others, including Michael, head to a railroad bridge where they hang off the edge over a foggy gorge. One by one, they fall, Michael falling after them. Michael wakes up at home the next day, unaware of how he got there. His eyes are sensitive to sunlight and he develops a sudden thirst for blood, which leads him to impulsively attacking Sam. Sam's dog, Nanook, retaliates causing sam to realize that michael is turning into a vampire by his brother's semi transparent reflection sam is initially terrified but michael convinces him that he is not yet a vampire and that he desperately needs his help michael begins to develop supernatural powers and asks star for help but has sex with her shortly afterwards <laughs> sam deduces that <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, just a little rant yeah uh, no, <laughs> let's just have sex. What are you, James just do Bond? <laughs> <that>. <laughs> right. Gender swap. Okay. Right. They make it, yeah, they make it so casual here in this description. After the deed is done, Sam deduces that Michael has not yet killed anyone, so he is a half va- vampire, and his condition can be reversed upon the death of the head vampire. Sam and the Frog Brothers test whether Max is, Max is the head vampire during a date with Lucy. But Max passes every test and the boys decide to focus on David to provoke him into killing. David takes Michael to stalk a beach, a group of beach goers and instigates a feeding frenzy horrified. Michael escapes and returns home to Sam star then arrives and reveals herself as a half half vampire who is looking to be cured. It emerges that David had intended for Michael to be stars first kill sealing her fate as a vampire. The next day, Awakening Michael leads Sam and the Frog Brothers to the gang's lair. They impale one of the vampires, Marco, with a stake, awakening David and the the two others, but the boys escape, rescuing Star and Laddie, a half-vampire child and Star's companion. That evening, while Lucy is on a date with Max, the teens arm themselves with holy water-filled water guns, a longbow, and stakes, barricading themselves in the house. When night falls, David's gang attacks the house, The Frog Brothers and Nanook manage to kill Paul by pushing him into a bathtub filled with garlic and holy water, dissolving him to the bone. Sam is attacked by Dwayne, another vampire, before he shoots an arrow through his heart and into the stereo behind him, electrocuting him and causing parts of his body to explode. Michael is then attacked by David, forcing him to use his vampire powers. He manages to overpower David and he impales him on a set of antlers. However, Michael, Star, and Laddie do not transform back to normal as they had hoped. Lucy then returns home with Max, who is revealed to be the head vampire. He informs the boys that to invite a vampire into one's house renders one powerless over said vampire, leaving them unable to exploit any weaknesses that the vampire has while there, explaining why their earlier assumption appeared to be incorrect. Max reveals he had instructed David to turn Sam and Michael into vampires so that Lucy could not refuse to be transformed herself as his objective had been to get Lucy to be a mother for his lost boys. As Max pulls Lucy to him, preparing to transform her, he is killed when grandpa crashes his Jeep through the wall of the house and impales Max on a wooden fence post, causing him to explode. Michael star and Laddie then return to normal amongst this carnage and debris. Grandpa casually retrieves a drink from the refrigerator and declares one thing about living in Santa Carla, I could never stomach all the damn vampires. I actually just liked a, that line. Just a great ending to the it movie. It was actually pretty fun <laughs> ending. Yeah. I was like, okay. That was pretty cool. It was awesome. And that quote was just, well, which this movie is chock full of really good quotes. Yeah, it does. Very, very quotable. And that one right there was just like the best one of the whole movie. Just boom, the ending. Right. Uh, so we're researching this movie. I, so the reason that David doesn't disappear or anything happens, he just kind of reverts back to his normal self or whatever. And he's just impaled on there. Is yeah. He wasn't actually supposed to be dead. So that way they, they could have a sequel, which uh, Joel Schumacher wanted to direct that one. And that was going to be called The Lost Girls. And it was going to be like yeah. a, a girl biker game, which sounds better than the sequels that actually came out like 30 years later. Right. I've seen some of... I think Lost Tribe and mm-hmm. it was, I, I wasn't digging it. it. I mean, I don't know. It might be worth a, a look, a look-see. I don't again, know. I'm, I wasn't a fan was, of the first movie. So I was like, why am I going to watch the why second, would you third watch the one? Second. Right. And it right. is, I mean, Joel Schumacher hated the <laughs> the sequels that they ended up putting out. Cause it, it went against everything he wanted for there to be in a sequel. And it just doesn't make sense. Cause no, it's just really? not as fun because the, uh, well, the two core, the, the frog brothers, Sam, you know, to the, the two Corys, you know, famous Corys, they, right. they were adults then. It just wasn't as cool as when they were kids and they kind of keeping with the lost boys. I mean, they're not, they're not boys anymore. They're a bunch of old dudes. now, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Which is kind of sad. Corey Haim passed away in 2010 from pneumonia, but I think he got pneumonia because he was the pill addict. Like I was reading into yeah. that. He had like hundreds of scripts of medications that he had been like doctor shopping and all kinds of stuff. And then I know that the other Corey, uh, Feldman, like he was a drug addict for a while too. Like he actually was on cocaine when they were filming this movie and then he showed up to work and he couldn't, couldn't function. So he got fired and then he came back the next day with like profusely apologizing and was like, no, I'll be like hundred percent legit. And then he was like hundred percent dialed in for the rest of the movie or the rest of the wow. film. So that's pretty I intense. I didn't look to see how old, how old he was in this one. I know he's a little bit older than... Corey I think he's named, like but... 15, dude. Like, he started... Wow, so he was doing coke that year. When young. he was young, yeah. I feel sorry for him, because, like, I watched the, um, the Crystal Lake Memories, like, the making of uh, Friday the 13th movies, and he narrates it, and he's just... He started to look like Mick Jagger, you know, like, after you use a right. ton of drugs, and then when you're older, then you just kind of start getting shriveled up. Apparently, though... Mm-hmm. He had a lot of bad stuff happen to him, both to both the quarries. And so he's kind of starting to speak out about that at like, uh, a it was like, like yeah, the sexual abuse and stuff. Right. I believe so. I haven't looked into it yet, but I, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Which is really sad. Um, I know it's, and it's just too bad that, you know, he might've even been not forced, but maybe, you know, pressured into it by adults to be getting into that. To at the that drugs and of an stuff? age. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. He was already kind of up and coming. He was in the Goonies. He was in Friday the 13th right. part four. So actually Richard Donner, the director of the Goonies was going to direct this, which is why he produced it. And then, um, they was actually originally written to be younger. So all the, the, the boys were going to be like 12 and 13. And then that's yeah. why it's called the lost boys a lot more heavily influenced by Peter Pan. And then once Schumacher came in, he, he wanted to jazz it up and had everybody's ages get older Right. And it was really his idea to have it be like the young, sexy vampires, like the forever right. young, forever, like cool. And which kicked off all of the vampire stuff that we have now. So, yeah, totally. Have, total groundbreaking film. Just, you know, right. inadvertently. This movie feels like an hour and a half long music video to me, though. It doesn't have a lot of substance. Yeah. And um, it, there's just a lot of scenes uh, where it's just like, this is a music video that is just yeah. telling a simple story. And yeah, because that's the thing. Like, maybe it's a wasted scene and that there's nothing happening or a wasted shot, but at the same time, it's all beautiful. Like, it all looks cool, yeah. very stylized. And there's, every shot seems to be stylized for the most part. I think instead of a, a story, this movie has more of a feeling that people like, and it kind of oh, captures I agree. it. And so Absolutely. the first part of this movie um, was just like, I really kind of got pulled into it and was like, Oh, I'm actually really enjoying this. I didn't realize that Jason Patrick was like the main guy in the movie. Um, I thought I'd only see him as an adult. So I didn't realize, you know, yeah. that I was Jason Patrick. So I really enjoyed him in this. I really liked Corey Haim, to be honest. I thought he was really good. Oh yeah. Well, it's um, funny. Cause when I, when I think of this movie, I think of him. Really I think of the, yeah. And I think of, you know, the frog brothers and I, in my mind, it's like, um you know jason patrick jason patrick that's all right yeah jason patrick okay um the older brother i i always kind of think of him as a secondary character even though i I have it's backwards i mean or it's not backwards i have it backwards (laughs) in how i think about it and i think he's the biggest guy biggest guy on the on the um (laughs) on the bill sure yeah (laughs) right (laughs) but i think what what it or why it is and i it's funny that you know, you brought up that this was originally written to be styled after the Goonies because it was going to have you know, the Goonies director doing it. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, man, this really feels like the Goonies or monster squad or just something kind of from that, that era. And it has that vibe and it's got these, you know, younger teen kids, you know, just, just barely teens, almost right. junior hires kind of feeling. And, you know, that, so I think that's why that's the big strongest feeling I get out of this movie is that kind of Goonies feel to it even though um which speaking of that as far as like why it has an r rating really all the blood and gore and maybe i can't remember if there's like i don't think there's much strong language in it but really as far as the blood really any language in it no yeah but the blood and gore is in the last 20 minutes of the movie it's in like the showdown and then also like the beach massacre there's kind of a little bit then oh yeah there's a little bit there but it's not it to me when i saw when i got to that scene i'm like well this isn't barely enough to make it R mm-hmm. the final, the final sequence, you know, the big battle definitely makes right. it R. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause to me, I I sort of wish that, well, I know they didn't really have a good PG 13 rating back then, but what we I would believe consider it, if this is 87, the PG 13 rating came out in 89. So it would have been, PG, well, there you go. R- yeah. yeah. And I feel like they easily could have made this movie PG 13 and uh, appealed to teenagers and to you know kids that could watch something that was a little bit more mature but wasn't you know straight up rated r right i don't know though i feel like it wouldn't have had such of the cool factor he you was know, rated r so you're like oh i want to go see well, that's this true cool, this cool awesome restricted movie that has Corey feldman from the goonies because honestly the only thing i remembered from this movie was Kiefer sutherland and and cory feldman yeah. and then yeah but yeah, there was, it's kind of cool. So this movie actually started off several friendships in real life. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman became really good friends from this. This was the first movie they started in together. And they made like eight other movies together um, as the Corey's, the two Corey's. Right. And then Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland became lifelong friends. Like they're still good friends. And I was like, that's pretty that's cool. Awesome. So yeah. I always enjoy that when the, something like that happens. Um, let's see here. Oh, dude, the thing that impresses me sort of. <laughs> is this movie was filmed in only three weeks? So there's not oh, a wow. lot of not a lot of story. Um, there's a lot of setup shots, so yes. and crowd reactions and stuff. So I think it would actually be. It makes sense that it could be shot in three weeks, but still three weeks is three weeks. That's pretty that's short. insane. Now, granted, it really was mostly shot in one location, which is very helpful too. Being yes. that being Santa Cruz, and I think that's right. the other reason why I feel like a connection to this just cause I love Santa Cruz and Monterey and just that kind of middle part of California. I have a lot of good memories yeah. um, of that area. And it just, just beach culture in that, I don't know, just California beach culture in general. I mean, that's really big for our family. Yeah. You know, we, we grew up, you know, going to the beach all the time. Right. for real. that just, and it's, it's, it's something that cracked me up at the start of this movie the kid, the brothers are, um, you know, complaining to their mom as they're driving into town about having to move to this new town, you know, move to this new place. Why can't we just go back to Phoenix? And in my <laughs> mind, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Phoenix. <laughs> this Incredible, like little beach town. That's got a boardwalk and roller coaster. And right. You know, obviously, I don't know. Maybe not to everyone else in America, but to me, it was obviously like, Man, that sure looks like Santa Cruz. <laughs> Even right. when I was younger <laughs> right i mean and, you're right but they just, filmed it that would have been a dream come true like as far as moving anywhere i would have loved to move to the beach like that so it just kind of cracked me up that this, these kids are right you know, they're complaining yeah right well, getting well, I pissy think, about it i think the first day though that they're there when they go to the the beach concert and um they they he first sees star and stuff like that Um, I think that's when, when they're just like, Oh, nope, we're here. Like we're here. I I think it's freaking hilarious. Sam's walking around in a kimono. And I was just like, that's literally eighties. Right. (laughs) I was like Duran Duran. There we go. Right. I have a fair amount of problems with this movie, but I feel like it's unfair to talk about them because this is the first like sexy vampire movie. So like, I see so many, so many things they could have done to like really branch this out and there's like plot holes and just like the things that I'm like, Oh, they could have totally done this or done that. And then I'm like, well, it was the first one. So I can't throw shade right. at it for that. Cause and the thing is that that being exactly what you said, if they would have done Joel Schumacher sequel, which he wanted to do the lost girls, which would have featured, you know, these sexy teen girl biker right. gang <laughs> girl version. Yeah. That I honestly, I think that would have been a really cool spinoff or right. sequel to it and kind of kept the same idea going. Without having to, I don't know, rehash too much of the first one. I guess they would have kept, I guess the idea was that David, you know, Kiefer Sutherland's character, he would have not really died. Cause they don't necessarily show him die in the movie. I guess that's the whole thing is that they would have, yeah. He's impaled, but they would have, they could have, you know, easily made him come back. Well, they, play fast been, and, they really play fast and loose with the vampire rules in this movie. Exactly, so, dude, so can, much. Because I'm like, uh, they killed the master, so I'm like, technically, all the other vampires should have just died anyways. Right, but, including I mean, David. That should have killed him. Right. You know, for sure. But, they, but they're playing fast and loose with this. Like, I don't get the whole Daywalker thing in this. And um, it doesn't which quite is, make which sense. Which is cool. I mean, you, he's definitely, you know, you've got um, Blade. You know, there's definitely other daywalker types out there yeah as far as vampires go I mean there's uh, you know different franchises play with the rules differently right uh, and you're right this one doesn't it' kind of jumps all over the place I guess they could have if they would have done a true sequel and maybe really done a fran- a legit franchise right. out of this maybe they could have really established some some rules for what this particular universe uh, of vampires you know what, what their rules were going to be right and i had to kind of abandon my um view of vampires like halfway through this because they they just they do whatever they want to do with the vampire lore and i actually kind of respect that because it's so fresh like such a fresh idea um because like now it's not now it's like beaten to death and but at the time it was like it was before that it was just dracula and nosferatu and right very serious very very dark exotic yeah, I was gonna say boring, but no, 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 you hit it. Dark and gothic, very one style. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess you had um, what was that that um, soap opera type one that oh, uh, Tim Burton Dark made Shadows? a movie of? Dark Shadows. So you had, you know, kind of a funny take on it at but you that know, was different still times too. The count though, like that was still kind of the count. I mean the movie. Right. The Tim Burton movies a lot more funny than the T V show was. Right. right. I know the show was a bit more serious, but anyways, yeah, it, it definitely, it's just the thing that I still love about this movie. Cause as, as I'm watching it, this is probably my third time watching it. Oh and, yeah. And, and it just, I'm just like, man, this movie is just fun. It's just cool. I don't really have a lot to say about it because <laughs> like you said, there's not a lot there, but it just has such a cool vibe. The, the right. music was on point and it's just, it's just fun to watch. So it, you can kind of, like you said, kind of be forgiving. Unless you just want to really pick it apart. You can do that with any movie, but this one is just, it's a fun ride. I guess that's why it brought me, kind of brought out the kid in me, which is why, where I was like, man, it could have easily been a PG 13 movie. But again, that's unfair because they didn't have that in between rating to play with. Right. Um, And, and for sure, if you're going to market it to teens, you know, teenagers are going to want to go see the rated R movie that over the, the PG 13 movie, even though, there's a lot of good PG 13 movies out there, but I've, I've fall into that too. Sometimes where I'll, I don't know really what a movie is, but because of that rating, I'll, I'll maybe pass on it. Cause I'm thinking, right. oh, they're going to, they're going to cut corners. And you know. I didn't, I didn't watch, um, 2001 space odyssey forever because it was really G. And then I <laughs> finally watched it and I was like, Oh, this is a, I like this movie. This is a cool movie. Um, right. so I totally feel you. Yeah, no, this, uh, with the lost boys, there's, I don't know. I don't like a lot of Joel Schumacher's movies, to be honest. So when I was sure. going back to watch this, I was like, "Yeah, it's a Schumacher flick. I really don't like most of his movies, excluding like Batman forever. I do like that movie. Right. But um, <laughs> I don't know that it has anything to do with him though. It's just, well, he's a huge Batman fan, which is funny. That, well, that's like, true. That's true though. And so he did that in Batman and Robin, which I actually never finished Batman and Robin. I couldn't finish. Really? That movie. I'm so surprised. I couldn't finish that movie. Cause I love terrible films. And Dude, that movie's like intentionally Trinity loved those movies. Well, the, the Tim Burton ones. And then those two. Yeah. I, I have seen those movies a lot, especially, you know, when we were dating and right. So um, Jim, they actually want to show the girls. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, they actually were tracking to see if they were going to have Jim Carrey in this movie. Cause he was in the movie one spitting before this. And so uh-huh. that would have been interesting. And yeah, um, but then with Keith or Sutherland, he was actually reluctant to take the role until he found out that NXS was going to be on the soundtrack and he was a big fan. It turns out Joe Schumacher actually directed, a, I guess, a couple of music videos for NXS. Right. So Which, did you hear why he did that? No, why? So apparently be- they didn't have enough money in the budget to get a lot of those bands on the soundtrack. And mm. so he personally promised some of them, I'll direct your music, a music video for you for free if you'll be on the, the soundtrack really that's so interesting because yeah. I know they wrote a song for it but um that's pretty cool so yeah, yeah. Keith or Sutherland decided to be on it and I think uh which is kind of funny he annoys the crap out of me in this movie and I feel so mm-hmm. bad saying that because I'm like <laughs> David's such a douche like I don't right. know it's his character he does a great job Keith or Sutherland does a great job but his he character does. I'm just like oh my gosh and like the word that's spoken the most out of the entire movie is Michael. They say Michael 118 yes. times in this movie. Is that I, a real number? I'm not kidding. That's the real number. 118 <laughs> times. They say it more than there are minutes in this movie. Oh and, my gosh. But that right. makes sense. Cause I can totally hear everybody's voice, you know, saying <laughs> "Right, they're that like, Michael, name. Michael Michael, 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 Michael. Yeah. Michael. <laughs> but that's, it's funny though, because like for such a douchey character that, that Kiefer plays, I mean, you, you think he's the he is the movie in a way. I mean, he really is one of the main faces you think of in this movie. And yeah, he he is a cool character for really not having a lot of lines. It's just attitude. That's just like some serious swagger going on. He's got a presence and you're right. he is the face of this movie for, he really is. When you think of this movie, you think of Keith or Sutherland. You're just like, yeah, "Yeah, that was him. Um, The only thing I remember from this movie the first time though, was um, when they were like on the bridge and they're jumping off the bridge. I just remember that was weird. And I remember there wasn't a lot of violence in it. And that's why I didn't like it at first. It's because I was like weak, sus, you know? Right. But yeah, no, it's, it's interesting watching it a second time though, has really changed my opinion on it. And then once I started researching it and seeing like how original this movie was at the time, makes me like it more to be honest. Cause I was just like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense then like why there's not a lot of story. Cause I was like, dude, they could do so much more with the story. Like, yeah. and one thing that's bothering me and like, maybe I think I got this figured out though. Is So Max goes in there, he gets invited. He goes in. Does that mean that all the other vampires can go in now because Max gets invited? Cause he's the master. Cause uh, I was thinking, no, yeah, that's... I, I, I think it's just Max, but then, right. Because also too, like they don't invite star in and she comes in anyways, and then they don't invite uh, Dwayne in. He comes through the fireplace at the end. He just shows up inside and I'm like, "Uh, wait a minute. That's not yeah. vampire lore. But then again, like I said, they play fast and loose with vampire lore in this. It's not Salem's yeah. lot. It's not Dracula. So, right. No, I think you're, I think you're probably absolutely right. I mean, maybe there's some reasoning out there. I, I tried to do a little bit of research. Yeah. Just on some articles about the, the movie. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't see anything pertaining to that. So that's, I would love to hear some opinions from some other like super hardcore vampire film people right. as far as um, maybe there were loopholes on for how that could work. Or if it's just purely you get so caught up in the action, you don't realize, wait a minute right I, I mean we've talked about this before you and i can be total suckers for just going along for the ride It oh, this is amazing and then no, you realize right. later that oh that didn't make sense but which is it's <laughs> funny though why i why this pulled me out of the movie several times things like that because you're right most of the time i'm like i'm just going with it like i don't yeah i don't really care is it fun it's fun and it's like there's certain things that just kept pulling me out like when the, when they were like max is the main bad guy i was like well he was at the restaurant and it was like sun, the sun was going down, but like the sun wasn't down yet. And so, anyways, um, right? yeah, small things like that just kind of bothered me. But um, I do want to watch it again because um Aubrey wants to watch it, and so I was like, I think if I might watch it again. I've really fallen in love with the soundtrack. The soundtrack is just right. so, and so sometimes, much fun. Sometimes that really makes the movie like the it movie does. can I mean. I don't know how many movies we've watched that yeah, it was a great movie, but you can't remember what the soundtrack was right. so that I don't think it really helped it at that point. but then there's other movies that well okay, obviously there's the ones where it's like great movie, great soundtrack it's just it's all tense. it's like oh brother where art thou right And then there's other movies where you're like great soundtrack, subpar movie or terrible movie, but you know great soundtrack because it's just a right. great playlist basically. But this one, it, it works with the feel of the movie. It works with the characters. It, it, like like you said, it's a giant music video. It's like eight music videos. Right. Strung into, you know, and they made them put it together as a movie. So that is probably one of the reasons why it's so cool. It has, like you said earlier, such a good feel, good vibe that people are attracted to. And then you can forgive, you know, the vampire flaw. Cause honestly, like talking to other people that are really into horror I mean, I only ever hear that this was a cool movie to them and not, Oh, but the vampire, you know, <laughs> rules are terrible. I've, I've actually, you're kind of the first one to really bring that up to me, but that doesn't mean it's not a thing for sure. Right. But it very know interesting really, how you say that. I don't know if really people really care about it though. Cause it's clearly doesn't really care about the vampire lore too much. So, it's, right. and it's not trying to hide that. It's just kind of like, this is the new cool, you know, vampire thing. And so, yeah. Like I actually, I don't think they should remake this movie because it's such an 80s staple. Like it's, like I said, it's more of yeah. a feeling, but if they did remake it, they could do so much more with the plot and the story and clearly define different things. Cause there's a theory, big fan theory that the grandpa's actually half vampire. And so he's drink all those root beers or actually isn't beer. It's, it's animal blood from him doing from all the animals. Right. Right. That's so, a cool, that's which a cool theory. Right. Which I'm like, it's yeah, interesting. I don't think that's the case but um right it's i just think that i think it's actually funny i think he's just a retired hippie and he's just like yeah vampires are just part of life this is part of what i deal with after i came back from Nam. (laughs) so i do gotta say if they did remake this and i also for other movies from whenever back in time i think it would be cool if they did remake it to still remake it in the 80s have a killer 80s soundtrack have Keep yeah. it there because that's still the nostalgia. I think is what also makes it cool. I mean, obviously, if we were, I mean, that was the year you were born, and I was seven years old. So <laughs> that doesn't. So yeah, one other thing about Corey Feldman is that Joel Schumacher wanted him to resemble action stars, so he was like uh, watch a bunch of Sylvester Stallone movies and watch Chuck Norris movies and get into the character of the action star. So he takes himself super seriously in the movie, though right. know, he's a joke. But, right, but that's and that's what's so fun about it because you can see a fifteen-year-old, you know, taking himself and his ideas, you know, very seriously. Right, and we got a real problem here. Right, the professionals call us, you know, that whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, read it. It's a manual for life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and a quick shout out to that beautiful husky in the movie, right? Nanook of the North. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking about. That was yeah. a gorgeous dog, and cool, you know, protecting his master scene as well. Right. Oh, I gotta say, like I thought it was so funny in this movie though, where he's just like the the with the sex scene where he's just like, what's wrong with me star? And she's like, I can't tell you. And then like they go and then like they they, they slowly lay down and then like that song kicks in really intense. And right. Like, uh oh, like it's about to be like an intense sex scene and then it's just like right. nope, let's just move on. <laughs> yep. And then nothing. <laughs> nothing. And and then I just thought that was hilarious. I was impressed, um changing the subject a little bit. The when they get attacked, they attack the guys at the beach, there's one scene of Keith or Sutherland like biting this guy's head and like blood yeah. splurts up. And I'm just like, that's freaking violent looking. Like right. It was pretty cool But that's cool. really that's really the only gory part in that little sequence there. There's a lot of people getting dragged and screamed and right flying around. But that's the one part where you're kind of like, Oh, this I can see where maybe this might be rated R. But honestly, up until that point and the fact that they totally bypass anything. Uh, graphic in the sex scene i mean there is there was it was implied it <laughs> was implied yeah but you there's not nothing. like there's really until like the bodies explode at the end when the vampires die yeah and then yeah like oh, I really dude, the, s- the blood shooting up from all the sinks and toilets and everything it's such oh. a uh, right. evil dead thing it was awesome and i don't know if that was a tribute to that or they just decided to do it but that was straight up i think evil they just dead. decided like what kind of crazy stuff can we do yeah. Um, because like Corey Feldman, when he's like, they explode, they can do this, whatever he's, however he says it in order, they die in that same order, actually, right? And then, um, they added glitter to the blood to make it sparkly, which I was like, that's an interesting idea, but right? And then yeah. you have you know Twilight years later, where you get like sparkly <laughs> vampires, sparkly <laughs> <and the> vampires, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to talk about before we roll into our final verdicts, but I think that's, I think I'm good. How about yourself? I just love how grandpa, his character was, you just think he's this eccentric old coot, just this nutty kind of throwaway character. And then right towards the end, you see him, you know, sharpening these fence posts into stakes, but you're kind of like, that's odd. Those look like stakes for vampires, but they're freaking huge, you know, (laughs) what's he doing? And it's just kind of in that little montage and then it's, it's gone. And the next thing, you know, he's crashing through, the house you know with it strapped to the front of his truck and right. pills you know the van but anyways that it was, it was cool and then you're just like it clicks and you're like whoa grandpa knows and then he makes that one statement when they first meet him and they're all is this a dangerous town and he's like it's i forget how he how he says it exactly but he kind of casually skirts around it saying like there's a bad vibe here you know <laughs> right oh i do like i think it's funny i wrote this down I said, nothing says hello, like pretending to stroke out when your relatives show up. (laughs) I just, he's just laying on the porch and they're like, oh, Uh, you okay, Grandpa? Some dark humor, right? I don't know. And he's like, everything's (laughs) fine. And I'm just like, dude, if that was me, I would have been like, are you, Grandpa's dead? (laughs) Like, right. It's ours. No, No, I'm just kidding. Not (laughs) happy. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, that's dark, though. I was like, that's kind of, that's the darkest scene in the movie. But anyway, yeah. All right. So, um, let's see, 1987. Do you think that, uh, that it hit its mark when it came out? absolutely, I think it was definitely double. obviously made its money back what three times over. So that's a, that's a home run, but I do think it had very, you know, decently favorable reviews from the critics and was kind of a, um, Hey, real quick. Did you ever see, um, that black mirror, you ever watch black mirror on Mm -hmm. Netflix So on the, in the most recent season, there's that one where the two girls, um, they, they have like a neural link or whatever, and they can visit each other in like any time, time period. I haven't seen that. I've seen a lot of the earlier ones from like the first three seasons. Well, anyways, it, they go back to the eighties and it's that it's, it's that whole Santa Carla, Carlo, whatever. Oh. That's cool. Santa Cruz, but it's totally an, you know, an well, homage to the lost boys and that whole, you know, sequence and everything. But anyways, oh, that's um, I think it's just, I only say that because that movie did well then it's not just a cult classic. Now it was, I think it was kind of the, um, you know, a little bit of a movie of a generation. You can right. say, no, I totally so, agree. I think it definitely caught a vibe very clearly it reminded me of easy rider in the case of like there's not a lot going on in that movie but it's like the movie of a generation like you said like it's a biker film most of the plot in easy rider was lost in the the deleted scenes that movie was like an extra hour long i guess and then there's like no anyways so it just reminded me of easy rider where it's literally like a giant long music video and they're playing all their songs that they like um right but for people in the 70s that's like an iconic movie to them so anyways i feel like this was iconic for that late eighties, uh um, time, you know, the, I don't know, time period, whatever. Right. Yeah, I give it an a, I think it's an a for relevance when it came out and impact. I give it an a as well. A hundred percent. I got to give it to Joel Schumacher. I think he definitely had lightning in a bottle on this one. Like I'm not really yeah. a fan of his stuff, but he definitely had a really good idea and I think it presented really well. And he had a good, good cast and crew um, around him to make this. Right. Yeah. yeah, I saw. I saw that the the cinematographer that he had, I guess, had been in a lot of other uh, well-known movies previously. Right. I think he, he worked on The Godfather and uh, oh, dude, um, just dude. worked with Scorsese, I think, and a bunch of other you know really big actors and or, uh, directors. Yeah, had you know tried to direct himself, didn't do so well, and stepped back behind the camera. And this was his first movie back doing it, and it he did really well. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I think it's interesting how uh, Diane Weist, I think I'm saying her name right. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny how like Joel Schumacher had to really like pull to get other people in this movie, like the younger actors and stuff. They like Jason yeah. Patrick, like, didn't really want to be in it until he finally got convinced him to be in it. And it's so funny that then like he a- goes and asks Diane uh, Weist, who just came off of winning an Academy award for the last movie that she was in. And she didn't even hesitate. She's like, yeah, I'll totally be in it. (laughs) And he's like, dang, that's awesome. Uh, It's she had to me, she reminded me a lot of D Wallace, um, which was, I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Is it still relevant today? That one, I don't know. As far as pop culture goes, maybe not as far as how it impacted film today. Oh, like we are yeah. talking about with the vampire genre, definitely. But I don't know. I'm still not sure because I feel like unless you're a horror fan, I don't know. Because, I mean, like say you were a Twilight fan, you know, 10 years ago. I don't know that you would have been like, oh, and I love The Lost Boys. I don't... I just... Right. No, so, I'm... I don't know. I landed on a C+, but I was really kind of unsure how to rate that. Yeah, Um. It is a, it's, it is definitely a classic and it definitely it's one of those movies where it definitely inspired a whole genre, but you're right. Like the people that are fans of the stuff now may not know about that movie. I was talking to different people at work and I was like, yeah, we're going to review the Lost boys. And they were like the what? And I, I, I had to tell them, I was like, yeah, it's an eighties movie with vampires. They're like, Oh, okay. And yeah. And I was just kind of like, these are like younger, younger people. So like people that are older, like um, they were like, Oh yeah. The Lost boys. I know that movie. I think you're right. right. It was the generational movie so it being a classic that influenced it like yes uh but at the same time though they didn't get proper sequels though the sequels were terrible films and they were mainly off of off of the name trying to appeal just to the fan base and not to any kind of broader or new audience you know right i gotta give it a c as well i think um I I'd want to rate it higher, but it's just not in the limelight as much as like other movies. It is more of a generational, yeah. it is an eighties classic for sure. Yeah. It's not right. Like people that like eighties movies are like, Oh yeah, I know the last. Oh Ghost yeah, Ghost. exactly. So, and if you're a horror fan, then you're going to, you're, you're going to know this movie as well. But right. as far as you know, the broader pop culture, it's just, right. you know, like you said, it's a, it's a classic. Right. Um, okay. And personal enjoyment, Josh,
1: how did you uh, enjoy I, gotta give
0: it, I gave it a B. I, oh, okay. I really like it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I initially went from giving this an F uh, because I just really didn't enjoy it the first time I watched it Yeah. Um, to I got really kind of got sucked into it. <laughs> and <Nah. laughs> so then uh, I, I have to say, though, I it raised it up to I'm going to give it a C. Like it's a solid flick. Nice. Um, I definitely I'm going to enjoy it when I see it again. I'm not going to like. um stop to watch it or whatever so that kind of goes right into is it a midnight watch for me it's not a midnight watch what about you uh, it is for me though i really? it's definitely I, it is it kind of surprised me i wasn't sure how i was going to feel about it in that category as i was watching it and the more i'm watching it, i'm like man i just love all the vibe on this movie like turn it on at any t- and on any point and i'm just kind of sucked in so oh man i think it's definitely according to our definition of the midnight watch i think it definitely uh, works for me that's awesome so one thing this movie reminded me of like when they're on the train tracks and then they're like see you later michael and they fall down and he climbs yeah. down and then they're like fall michael just fall fall it totally reminded me of that little like youtube cartoon from years ago like charlie the unicorn i don't remember if you saw that where that not so familiar it's like this one of the, for the first YouTube videos where these two little like characters are telling Charlie the unicorn to like do stuff with him. They're like, come with us, Charlie fly with us fly, Charlie fly, Charlie fly. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm flying. Okay. I'll try. And then like, he gets knocked out and he wakes up and he's like, that wasn't too bad. That was actually pretty. Oh crap. They took my kidneys. <laughs> and <they're> like that's, <laughs> that's the end of that. Stit. So it just reminded me of that so much where I, they were uh- just like, fall, Michael fall. Um, that's another thing, though. Real quick. One last thing with the plot, though. So they want Star to kill Michael, but Max wants David to turn Michael so that way he can get with Michael's mom. That doesn't make sense. But I guess there was a little bit of pushback between David and Max because. Right. When they go you see the- when they. Sh- right. When they show up at the video store early in the movie and he's all I told you not to come in here. I told you, boys. Yeah. So right. I guess that might be maybe a little bit of a power struggle. So we'll go with that. We'll go with that. That sounds good to me. Oh yeah. And apparently Keith, uh, Sutherland, he actually broke his wrist when he was doing a wheelie on the, Oh, the... that's right. Yeah. And dude, uh, they are not messing around on those dirt bikes, man. When they're just ripping up and down the beach, they're going, right? they're going balls out. That was, it's pretty cool. Guy. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, apparently though, like Santa Cruz at first didn't want, them to call the movie Santa Cruz because of the one line where they're like it's the murder capital of the world and right that did but it was called that when the 70s when all the serial killers were were right doing that stuff but <laughs> so they had to rename the the this spot but now though it's like a Santa Cruz's movie like they play that movie right. almost every summer for everybody to watch and it's they're just super like, proud of it they own it yeah right which is my i mean like that's cool because i know it if, they said bef- a couple years before it was sudden impact came out and the showdown to that movie is on the boardwalk and like the people that were on the board of the town like did not know about that so they're it's a pretty violent scene so they're like uh they know no, no that's not the boardwalk we're right. supposed to have people coming in not people getting <laughs> killed Like, lost boys taken out Right. But yeah. last boys now though, you realize like, no, it's supposed to be fun and all that good stuff. Right, so, And the good guys went. So it's definitely, there's not a negative spin on the movie as far as the, the town itself. It's definitely good triumphs no. over evil. And right. I'm glad they, I'm glad they ended up embracing it. Cause it's, it, like I said earlier, it just, I love, it just, I love Santa Cruz and that, that general area of California. And that just, that movie's just got it all. Absolutely. No, I definitely agree. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today's episode. If you guys want to check out this movie, uh, I watched it on Tubi. Same. Yes. We Uh, love Tubi. We do. Special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colvin. If you had as much fun as we did on this episode, we would love it if you guys shared it with your family, friends, and anyone that you think that would like it. Yes. And please subscribe, rate, review our podcast. It can be found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and just about every other platform out there. Also, we'd love it if you visit our Instagram or our Facebook page and join in on our conversation of what is your midnight watch. We'd love for uh, any comments about any of the posts we make talking about movies or your thoughts and whatnot. Uh, we'd love it. We have a hashtag on what's your midnight watch. And you can also directly reach us at the midnight watch Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. You guys, thank you so much. You have a fantastic week. And as always, keep up the watch.